Isn't that a fantastic time of praise and worship there? Can we say thanks to the tech team and the worship team? They get everything prepared so that there's no distractions and so we can just focus on the Lord and we can just receive from the Lord and it's just fantastic. Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you. I just want to remind you before we get into the message and before you start my countdown, I want all the time (laughs) that next Sunday, Tom and Pippa are getting married. So after the Sunday service here at 1.30, I believe it is, at Holy Trinity Church, Houghton, Houghton, someplace like that. <laughs> I don't have the Lancashire accent yet. I don't know how to do it. Plus, nothing is pronounced the way it's spelled. I've noticed that. Oswald Thistle and places like that. <laughs> anyway, um, 1.30, they're getting married at Holy Trinity, and everyone is invited to the ceremony So maybe come here with wedding clothes on for the morning service, and then we can go there afterwards. Come on, Tom and Pippa, stand up. We're going to say a prayer. (laughs) Just, why don't you just reach out your hands towards them? We're going to pray for them, Lord. We pray that next Sunday would be a special day for them, For the whole church family, Lord God, this is something, a major milestone in their life. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would rest upon them, your blessing would be with them, and that, Lord God, next Sunday you would do something special in their life. You would put the seal of your spirit, the approval of your blessing upon them. Let all of the stress of the preparations just leave them, and may they know your peace in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, you guys. You can click the button now if you want up there. <laughs> I'm going to go over anyway, so I mean, it doesn't matter. So we are continuing our current message series called Personal Parables. We are looking at the parables of Jesus, just like this woman here, well, suppose it could be a guy. We can't see the face with long hair. It could be Adam or somebody like that. And uh, who is looking at this parable. It does look like a girl's hat though, doesn't it? So we'll say it's a girl. She is looking at this parable and it is being written upon her heart. She is taking it personally. We are looking at the parables of Jesus and how they apply personally to our lives. And I've called today's message Inside and Outside. Say that with me, Inside and Outside. I'm not talking about belly buttons, that's innies and outies. I'm talking about inside and outside. So before we even read the parable, I want to... And my wife has told me that I always neglect this side of the room over here. So I'm going to stand and look right at you, okay? 
before we actually read the parable, I want to remind you that the Bible has an awful lot to say about what goes on on the inside of us and how doing things outwardly, if there's no change inwardly, means nothing. It's not outward service that God wants. Sacrifice I have not delighted in, but a contrite spirit I will not despise, the Lord says. So, you know, in the old covenant, the law, the Ten Commandments, was written on stone tablets. We could read them on the outside. But remember that God said he was going to make a new covenant And in the new covenant, the law wouldn't be written on the outside. It would be written on the the inside. I will write my laws upon your heart. And I will put a new heart within you. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will put my spirit within you. God is interested in what goes on on the inside of us. Remember when Jesus was asked about clean foods and unclean foods and what we're allowed to eat and what we're not allowed to eat? The vegans need to read some of that stuff actually and stop telling us what to eat. Jesus said we can eat whatever we want to eat and I will eat whatever I want to eat and it will not be a beyond the meat burger, I can tell you that. You eat it if you want because you can eat whatever you want. Uh, But when he was asked about the unclean foods, he said, it's not what goes into a man from the outside that defiles him, but it's what comes out of the man from the inside. Because out of the heart comes hatred and adultery and this and that. In fact, remember Jesus said that adultery, which is an outside action, begins with lust on the inside. And remember that he said that murder, which is an outside action, begins with hatred. I don't want to neglect you now, do I? Begins with hatred on the inside. And remember that Jesus, when talking about the Pharisees, he said, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is still dirty. Meaning, you put on a great outward show of being religious and being morally upright, but you're, you're not clean inside. Or another time he said to them, you are like whitewashed tombs. Everything looks nice and neat and tidy on the outside, but you're dead inside. A tomb has a dead body inside it, not a living one. And so, yes, There are things we do on the outside. We worship God on the outside. We serve God. We serve other people. We do lots of things. We, you know, hopefully we live moral lives on the outside. But if it's just on the outside, it means nothing. But if we are changed and cleansed and transformed on the inside... And what we are doing on the outside flows from the inside. That is what is important. It's what is inside that is important. So now that I've said that, that's what I'm talking about, inside and outside. I want us to read the parable. It's a very short parable. It's only two sentences. 
And then Jesus kind of repeats it again, but again, it's only two sentences. So let's have a look at the parable. It comes from Matthew's gospel. If you go to the next slide, please. Matthew 13, and here it is. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found. In his excitement, he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Two sentences, that's it. Short parable. And then in case we didn't catch it, he tells the parable again, just changes the words a little bit. And again, it's two sentences. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. No, you're too, you're too fast, buddy. You need to go back one. That's the one, just stay there. So that is the parable. And the parable is, it's, it's very simple. It's about somebody looking for something and finding something that is worth more than what they've already got. A pearl merchant looking for pearls and then he finds a really choice pearl and he sells all his other pearls to get this one pearl. Or a guy that finds treasure hidden in a field, which by the way was not unusual in that culture in those days. If you owned land and you had some treasure and you didn't want anybody to steal or rob it from you, you would find a place to bury it and hide it and if you died before you told the rest of your family where you had hidden it, the family didn't know where it was. And if someone bought the field, they not only got the field, but they got the treasure that you had hidden there as well. And so that's what the parable's about. And quite often we would look at this parable and we would think that it means, we, we would interpret it this way. You know, when I heard the gospel... When I discovered Jesus, I realized that Jesus was so valuable. The gospel was so valuable. Salvation is so valuable that I am prepared to give up everything else in my life, all of my sins and all of my ambitions and everything else that is important to me. I'm prepared to give all of that up for the gospel, for salvation, for Jesus. And yes, that is a parallel to the story. There's no doubt about it. All of that is true. When I heard the gospel, I walked away from everything else to follow Jesus. And that is true. However, I think there is something much deeper going on in this very short parable here. And the reason for that is because these guys were seeking something. This peril merchant was on the lookout for perils. And I know sometimes we call non-Christians seekers, you know, and we say the church needs to be seeker-friendly and things like that. But you want to know something? Before you became a Christian, you were not really a seeker. Maybe you were a thrill seeker or this kind of seeker or that kind of seeker, but the truth is, we were not seeking God. The Bible says there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who seeks after God. 
in our dead, spiritually dead condition, we were not seeking after God. He was seeking after us. All we like sheep had gone astray. And the lost sheep was not looking for the good shepherd. The good shepherd was searching for the lost sheep. And he found you and he brought you back to the fold. So the real seeker is God and he is seeking. The son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. Okay? And so... Who, you know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. But who is it that wants to seek first the kingdom of God? Those who have been given a new heart. Those, when our hearts were changed, now we want the things of God. Now we have a desire for God that we didn't have before. And now that our hearts have been changed, that we've been saved, we are the people who want to seek first the kingdom of God. So I think, strictly speaking, these guys here, the, the guy looking for treasure, the guy looking for perils, that's those of us who have already been saved by Jesus. And we are seeking after the treasure of the kingdom. And the other thing about this is I want you to notice it says the kingdom of heaven, by the way, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same thing. There is, the two phrases are just used interchangeably in the Bible. There's not two different kingdoms, okay? There's one kingdom and there's one king and that's Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, in a field. The treasure wasn't lying on the outside of the field. It wasn't on the outside, it was on the inside. Now, if you were to get an oyster, where is the peril? Is the peril on the outside of the oyster? It's not a trick question, you can answer it. <laughs> is it on the outside of the oyster? Where is it? On the it's on the inside of the oyster. But that oyster has to be opened up to find that in there. The kingdom is like discovering treasure in a field. It's like discovering a peril in an oyster. In fact, you can go to it now, in Luke, Jesus said... The next one, Luke. The next, that's the one, Luke. For the kingdom of God is where? Within you. The, the kingdom is like someone finding treasure in a field or a peril that comes from inside an oyster. The kingdom is within you. The treasure is within you. Here's what Paul said. Go to the next one. Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Do you know that God has placed a treasure inside each and every one of you? Do you know that when you become a Christian, Christ comes to dwell in our hearts by faith? Christ in you the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Christ is in you. The kingdom is in you. And a treasure is in you. 
God has placed a treasure, something valuable, a gift that is highly valuable, he has placed inside each and every one of us. There's a treasure within us. Tell the person next to you, I'm a treasure. Tell them that. (laughs) Well, actually, strictly speaking, you are not a treasure. (laughs) But there is a treasure in you. There is something valuable in you. There's no pride about it because look, he says, we have this treasure in air. We are just earthen vessels. We are made of earth. Remember when we looked at the the parable of the sower, we saw that the, the field is the heart of man. And Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the others. So now that we understand the parable of the sower, that the field is the human heart, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that found treasure buried in a field. God has placed a treasure deep in your heart. You're just an earthen vessel. You are just the clay. He is the potter and we are the clay. And God has molded you and shaped you to be a particular kind of vessel. And you don't get to choose what you are. Well, I want to be a sports star. I want to be a famous evangelist. You don't get to choose that. You're not the potter. Shall the clay say to the potter, why did you make me this kind of vessel? The Bible says no. He is the potter and God himself has chosen what kind of vessel you are. He has chosen what your purpose, your your unique purpose in life is. And he has placed a treasure. He has placed gifts inside that vessel. And you, your job is not to decide, "Well, well, I want to be a prophet. You don't get to decide. You get to discover what gift God has placed inside of you. There's no pride involved in it. It's not like, well, I've achieved greatness in life. No, look, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of this power may be of God and not of us. See, when you discover what your God-given gifts are, the treasure that he has put inside of you, there's no boasting about it. You didn't earn it. It was a gift, not wages. It was a gift. And God, the potter, has molded you into a particular type of earthen vessel and God has freely placed a gift inside of you and your job is to discover what that gift is. Sometimes you hear people say, motivational speakers and that, you can achieve anything, you can become anything you want to become. You cannot become anything you want to become. But what you can do is discover who God has made you to be. And then you can become the person that God has created you to be 
and then you can fulfill the purpose that God designed you to fulfill. God said to Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I chose you and appointed you to be a prophet. Jeremiah didn't decide to be a prophet. God decided that Jeremiah was to be a prophet. But one day, Jeremiah discovered that he was called to be a prophet. And it's a gift that whatever you are created to be is a gift that God has placed inside of you. So let's look at the parable again. Let's go on to the next slide. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, like treasure hidden in a field. The field is the heart of man, the human heart, which a man found the man didn't put it there. The man found it there. Your task in life is to find what God has planted deep inside of you. What your God-given gifts are. What your God-planted desires are. We all have human desires, but God gives us a new heart and he plants new desires within us. What your God-given dream is. Not the dream that you dreamt up because you saw somebody else doing it and you thought, oh, I want to do that. But the dream that is deep down inside of you, what has God planted in your heart? And see when you discover your purpose, your gift, the treasure that's inside of you, do you want to know what it does? It brings excitement. Look at this. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold it. He didn't go about telling everybody, well, I, this is a treasure that I have found. He didn't do that. If you really have been given a gift by God it will, and you've discovered it, it will show itself up. You don't have to tell everybody what you're gifted at, you know. It will show up. And it says... In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy it. See, when you discover the gift that God has placed deep in your heart, like you're like an oyster, and when you open up to the Lord, you're just an oyster made of flesh. Maybe you've got a hard exterior, but you're an oyster made of flesh, but deep inside that flesh, there is a peril that God has planted there. See, when you discover what you were made for, what you were created for, how God has wired you together, it makes you come alive. It makes you excited. It doesn't drain you. If you're being drained doing things that you think God wants you to do, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. If you feel burdened and weighed down serving the Lord, maybe that's not Jesus' yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And when you're doing the thing that God created you to do, there's excitement, there's energy. It makes you come alive. You know that saying, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Could you imagine if everyone in this church discovered what unique treasure God had planted within them? And everyone in this church came alive. 
and were excited by the treasure that they found and stopped wasting, their, gave up everything else, stopped wasting their time doing all the things that they weren't created to do, trying to be like someone else and instead invested everything in the thing that God created. Could you imagine if everyone came alive? The whole church would come alive. And there would be excitement and energy in doing the things that God created. The kingdom of God is like a, a merchant on the lookout for choice perils. When he discovered it, God wants you to discover your purpose, discover your gifts, discover your calling. And see, when you discover it, it will change the way you look at yourself. You will stop comparing yourself to other people. You will stop trying to be like other people. Just be you. Everyone else is already taken. Just be yourself. God created you because he wanted a you here. Be the best you that you can possibly be. And when you discover that, who you, you'll change the way you look at yourself. You will begin to accept yourself the way, I'm not talking about our sins and our flaws, but I'm talking about who we are. You know, I spent years not liking my own personality because I, because I thought I should be like other people. I mean, I am an introvert. I need time alone. I mean, like, I like being around other people for short periods of time. <laughs> and then I need to go home and have a nap. And I would see other Christians that were extroverts and all of that, and I would think there was something wrong with me. But see, when I finally accepted that I had the personality that God in his providence had arranged all the circumstances of my birth and my life and had molded me to be a particular person, see, when I finally accepted who I was, I actually began to quite like myself. And then I began to think, I'm actually quite a cool dude, actually. I quite like the way I am. And in fact, not in a conceited way or a selfish way, but once I began to love myself, I began to accept that God needed a me or he wouldn't have made me in the first place. I don't need to be like someone else. I need to be like me. And I began to look at myself in a different way. Not only that, but when you discover the treasure that God has planted deep within your heart, the gift, the dreams, the desires, the purpose that he has made you for, it will change the way you look at your job and look at your career. Listen, if you hate your job, maybe you need to find another job. And before you go and find another job, maybe you need to find out who you are first and what gifts and skills and talents and abilities God has given you, how the potter has shaped you in a particular way, and then find something to do that matches that. Other people might tell you, you should do this and you should do that. 
You know, maybe your parents have told you, you know, I want my son to be a doctor and my daughter to be a lawyer. Maybe God doesn't want them to be a doctor and a lawyer. Maybe they have been given a treasure that would make them come alive doing something else. Now, maybe you have to have a few jobs and experiment. Maybe you need to find out what you're not first. But eventually you need to find out what you are, how God made you, how God shaped you, what treasure God has put within you. And it brings excitement. You would be excited going to work. Maybe it's not going to work. Maybe you just in your heart, maybe you're a mother and you long to be a stay-at-home mom. You want to spend time with your kids and society will tell you, no, that down with the patriarchy. You need a job. You need a career. Maybe you don't want one. Maybe you weren't created for one. Maybe find out who you are. Find out how God has shaped you and what he's put in you and it will change the way you look at your life and it will change the way you look at your job and it won't just be a job. It will be a vocation. It will be a calling. You'll be doing doing the things that you were created to do and you'll be excited and you'll be energized and the burden will be light and instead of killing you, it will make you come alive. And hey, maybe it will change the way you serve in church. Sometimes churches really do a guilt trip on people, you know. We really need people to help with the children's ministry. There's not enough people in the nursery. We need ushers. We don't have enough ushers. And, and we kind of guilt people into volunteering for jobs that they don't really want to do. But they're doing it just kind of out of the goodness of their heart. I'll just serve. Wouldn't it be much better if instead of pastors guilting people into serving the pastor's vision... If the pastor's vision was helping everyone discover what God had gifted them to do and releasing them into their God-given ministries, wouldn't that be a whole lot better? And then you would be doing things that excite you, that energize you, that make you truly come alive and fit the way the potter has molded you into a particular a particular vessel. Here's what Paul says in Romans. Let's look at the book of Romans. Paul says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. How, how do I discover this treasure in my field? How do I discover this peril deep inside my heart? How do I discover this treasure that is in my earthen vessel? How do I discover it? It takes an honest evaluation of yourself. You need to honestly evaluate what makes you come alive and what makes you dread getting up in the morning. You need to evaluate what you're gift, truly gifted at and what you just wish you were gifted at. Because if you can take an honest evaluation of yourself, you will realize that in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. 
You know, this verse here really helped me. It changed my ministry. It changed my career path, if I can call it that, as a pastor. And because I went, I knew God had called me to be a pastor. And I became a pastor. And I tried my best to be the best pastor I could be. And I looked to other pastors who had been pastors longer than me and I tried to be like them. And I read books about what pastors should be. And I listened to all the people in the church telling me that pastors should do this and pastors should do that. And I would do things and they would say, well, well our last pastor didn't do it that way. I remember once getting really irritated with somebody and saying to them, well, pastor so-and-so hasn't been here for seven years. After they told me, well, pastor so-and-so told us to do that. And you know what it was? It was just changing the layout of the chairs. That was all it was. Well, pastor so-and-so told us to put them out there. He's gone. He's not even in the same country anymore, for heaven's sake. I'm not pastor so-and-so. I'm pastor Martin, and I want the chairs this way, you know. And so it, it amazes me. I, Everyone has an opinion about who you should be and what you should do, but you need to have an honest evaluation of yourself. And I used to look at other pastors and I used to say, oh, I need, I need to make lots of counseling appointments because this pastor, he's, he spends all week counseling the people in the church and all of that. And people would come for a counseling appointment and I would just want to die. I mean, I would sometimes say to people, they would come and say, Pastor, can I have a counseling appointment with you this week? And I would say, if you want counseling, I'm not the best person. Such and such a person's the best person. Oh, no, 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 but, but we want you to counsel us because we love your teaching. Yeah, you love my teaching because I've got a gift of teaching, but I promise you I do not have a gift of counseling. <laughs> you will not love my counseling, right? <laughs> Oh, but we still want, okay then, coming Wednesday afternoon. And I would be listening, I'd be thinking, what, is this your problem? I don't know what you should do. Can you not make up your own mind? I mean, I could be preparing a sermon right now, you know. And pastors are supposed to be wonderful at weddings and funerals and all of that. Oh my goodness, it's my biggest nightmare. <laughs> you know, quite often, well, not quite often, but on a few occasions, Christine has said to me, you've got a wedding or a funeral coming up, haven't you? And I said, yeah, how do you know? Because you're as irritable as anything, she says. <laughs> <sighs> but when I discovered the things that I was gifted to do, and I was able to give up everything else and invest my time in that, I came alive. I became even better at the things I was gifted to do. Now, I know other things need to be done, but I can remember it. I can remember after discovering what I, I was gifted to do. I, I did this. I went away for a weekend on my own and I spent time with God and I went through an honest evaluation of myself. And I wrote down a list of all the things I was gifted at. It was very short. And I wrote down a list of all the things I wasn't gifted at, and it was very long. <laughs> I wrote down all the personality traits that I had and all the ones that I didn't have. 
I even wrote down the kind of movies that I liked and the movies I didn't like. I wanted to get to know who I was, what made me come alive and what just drained the life out of me. And once I discovered who I was and realized that I had to concentrate on that, I knew I needed to find people who were gifted in different ways because God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And I remember once speaking to a guy, he, he came to the church and he was a former pastor and he was telling me, you know, he was a former pastor and he said, but I'm actually a trained social worker as well. And I said, you're a trained social worker and a former pastor. Like, you counsel people. And he said, yes. I said, buddy, I need you on my team. I need you on my team. You are gifted at things that I'm not gifted at. And then I was having lunch one day in a place called Four, Four Guys Burgers and Fries. And I was having lunch, or five guys. It's five guys, isn't it? Maybe there was only four at that time, I can't remember. <laughs> but five guys, burgers and fries. And I'm having lunch with this pastor and he said, I've just resigned from my church. And I said, why? And he said, because they, they want me to be a strategic leader and they want me to be into church growth. And he said, they want me to be kind of like you and I'm not like you. And I said, why, what, what are you like? He said, I love doing hospital visitations. I said, do you? Because I hate it. So do you? <laughs> I mean, I go in and I pray for the person, be healed in Jesus' name. And then it's like, now what? I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and then, do you know what he said to me? He said, Martin, I know this sounds weird, but you know what my favorite thing is? Doing funerals. I said, buddy, I need you on my team. You're coming to our team. And then I remember uh, speaking to a young guy in the church and he told me, he said, I've just started a business on the side and I'm hoping it takes off and I can quit my job because this is what I really love to do. And I said, what is the business? He said, I love graphic design and video creation. I've even bought a drone, he said. I said, you love to do that? He said, yes. At that time, he was helping lead a young people's group and it wasn't really going anywhere. And I said, I need you on the team. And I need you to do the thing you love doing and forget the thing you don't love doing because we've all been given different gifts to do certain things well. Church, can I encourage all of us? Let's be honest in our evaluation of ourselves. Let's stop comparing ourselves to other people. It was liberating for me to stop comparing myself to all the super pastors on the internet, you know? I'm sure if you asked their wives, they would tell you they ain't that super after, I'll tell you. They're just humans like everybody else. Stop comparing yourself. Find out the treasure that God has put in your heart. Be honest in your evaluation about what you've been gifted in and what you've not been gifted in. It will change the way you look at yourself in your life, the career path you, ch you choose, and the way that you serve in church. And instead of your life being a constant drain, it will excite you and it will make you come alive. I want to finish with a quote from one of my favorite authors, very unknown, from about 150 years ago. A guy with the unfortunate name of Wallace Wattles. And this is what he said, 1860 to 1911. This quote might sound wrong to begin with, but 
Just think about it. He said, get rid of the idea that God wants you to sacrifice yourself for others and that you can secure his favor by doing so. God requires nothing of the kind from you. What he wants is that you should make the most of yourself for yourself and for others. And you can help others more by making the most of yourself than in any other way. The very best thing you can do for the whole world is to make the most of yourself. But first you have to know yourself. First, you have to know who God has made you to be and what treasure God has placed within you. And it will take some time and it will take some personal self-reflection and it will take an honest evaluation. It might hurt your feelings when you actually admit to yourself that you're not so hot at some of the things that you thought you were. But it will set you free and fill your life with purpose and meaning. Come on, church, let's stand together. <clears throat> let's lift up our hands to God. And I want you to say this prayer with me. Let's say it together. Father God, today I ask that you would open my eyes to see the gifts that you have placed within me. Show me, Lord, my purpose in life. Help me, Lord, to accept myself the way you have made me to be. Fill me with enthusiasm, excitement, and energy that I may pursue my God-given destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a praise, come on.